Welcome to another Renew.org Network podcast. During a recent Renew.org team meeting, one of our team members, Melissa, brought up the idea that the breakout session on prayer and fasting would be great in the month of January for a podcast, a time when so many in our network are praying and fasting together. In fact, at Harpeth Christian Church, our local church here along the Harpeth River in Franklin, Tennessee, we're on a 21-day prayer and fasting journey together. In this recording, you're going to hear an elder from Harpeth Christian Church, Chad Ellis, introduce another one of the elders at Harpeth, Mike Eagle, who also happens to be a medical professional, as well as David Roadcup, a spiritual giant professor of discipleship at TCM. So David and Mike Eagle are going to unpack some lessons from their book, Prayer and Fasting, and talk a little bit about the spiritual and the physical side of this spiritual discipline. Sit back and enjoy this encouraging session about prayer and fasting. Good afternoon. Good to see everybody. Uh, my name is Chad Ellis, and I have the distinct privilege of introducing uh, two brothers who are going to share some, some thoughts and results of study. Uh, and practice, and uh, I'm just going to be real brief and introduce these two guys to you. Um, to my immediate right in the chair is Mike Eagle. Uh, Mike, in his uh, real life world, serves as a physician assistant in orthopedic surgery at Vanderbilt University Medical Center, uh, spent some time at Mayo Clinic, and I can attest that he's pretty good because I've been a patient at least <laughs> at least three times, <laughs> at least three times, and so uh, he's, uh, he's really taken care of me physically, and then I've also had the privilege to serve under him with Mike leading as an elder at, um, at Harpeth Christian Church and looking out for our spiritual lives as well. Uh, he is joined today by Dr. Uh, David Rodka, and uh, he is currently Professor of Discipleship and Global Outreach Representative with TCM Ministries. He is one of the original founders of uh, a small men's organization that you may have heard of before called Promise Keepers. And uh, we are delighted to have them here. And I'm just going to tell you that, um, David, this is my first time to meet you. So I'll have to speak certainly for Mike and trust that um, you fit into that same category. But, you know, it's always awesome to hear uh, the results of people's time and study in Scripture. But it's even more awesome when you see it lived out. And I can tell you that, that uh, these brothers um, are firm um, practicers of what they teach. So with that, Dr. David, I'll turn it over to you. Thanks, Chad. Good afternoon, everyone. Hey. It's wonderful to be able to have you here with us today. Uh, we appreciate the opportunity, Michael and I do, to come and share with you today. Uh, we go back to our TCM days. Uh, Mike is... Um, just on the verge of graduating with his master's degree, right? Yes, yes. and uh, we met in class and uh, really love and appreciate him and it's an honor for us to be able to work together and talk about these things. Uh, I think about who we have here today and I say to myself, um, what is it that you don't know about prayer to this point? <laughs> Isn't it true? Most of us, we've taught on it, we've preached on it, practice it. Uh, shared with people, even maybe written on it and so forth. I'm absolutely convinced that the main thing we need more than anything else, people in this, this room today, is really maybe not a whole lot more information, maybe maybe just more motivation, yeah. you know, and maybe, maybe just more inspiration as well. Uh, this seminar comes out of the fact that Bobby uh, Harrington 
called a couple of years ago and said that they wanted a book uh, for Renew on fasting and prayer. He said he wanted it under 100 pages so people would read it. And um, so uh, Mike and I got together, we put the book together, and I'm very, very pleased with how it turned out. So you can get this at the uh, Renew table today or online. Uh, we have a dozen or 15 copies here today uh, for you. If you want to just pick one up right here. Today they're $7. Conference special, $7 or two for 14. So just let us know. <laughs> if you'd like to have one, we'd be glad to provide that for you. Uh, when we talk about prayer, brothers and sisters, there are a couple of very key components that I think, I think about the people who are in this room, what could we talk about that would really help you personally, in your heart and in your mind, and in terms of leading your church. So I'd like to just begin by pointing out this very, very obvious fact, and I know this is on your outline here, talking about prayer and the life of the church. Prayer as individuals. Just your heart and your life in Jesus Christ. Let me share a couple of things that I hope will really be helpful for you. Prayer is important for a couple of specific reasons. The first one is that God actually calls us to pray. It's kind of a situation where it really isn't for us as children. It's really not optional. Proverbs 15.8 says, The Lord hates the gifts of the wicked, but delights in the prayers of His people. And the Hebrew word for delights there means greatly relishes, greatly appreciates, greatly desires. So it's, it's interesting, isn't it, that the creator of the universe longs for our fellowship, that, that he, wants, he wants to be in fellowship with us, which brings us to the second point here. We must understand that there is no relationship on earth that can be cultivated and developed without communication. You know? And just think about it for a minute. Think about your wife, your children, your grandchildren also. You can't have a relationship without communication. And uh, knowing that God calls us to relationship, one of the reasons prayer is so important is that it fosters and builds and nurtures our personal relationship with the Lord. So based on those two items, I would uh, truly from my heart ask you to really take a good look at each one of us at our prayer lives and uh, how we need to be cultivating this and keeping it moving. The uh, second point I wanted to make here is that uh, Jesus uh, models for us the whole important, uh, the importance of prayer. And this is just a very dynamic point I'd like for you to think about in your mind. There are all kinds of things behind this. But the fact that Jesus himself comes to his public ministry when we pick up the Gospels, and if we take a good look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we just see Jesus praying all of the time. He's praying all of the time. Interestingly enough, Matthew, Mark, and Luke in your outline all record the fact that even though Jesus was in his public ministry and great intensity, the crowds, the healing, the, the uh, going back and forth with the Pharisees, Jesus knew the importance of prayer. And so in the pressure he was facing, here's what he did. He got up before anybody else early in the morning and went to a private place where he could meet his heavenly father. I don't know, one passage I have here, the disciples wake up and Jesus is not in the house where they were. And they go out looking for him and here he is, kind of this idea, there's a large rock at the top of a little rise and there's a silhouetted figure early in the morning on his knees and they recognize that it's Jesus. Brothers and sisters, that should speak to us so loudly. No matter how busy we are, no matter what the intensity of our lives are, and I know many of you live very, very intense lives, Jesus found a way to make this happen. 
And I think he was saying to us, you know, I want to show you that it can be done. And here's how you do it. It's either early in the morning, or it's late at night, or it's staying up all night. Uh, whatever it takes to make it happen. I love these words here by Tim Keller. Tim Keller has a book, a whole book on prayer that is absolutely fantastic if you can get your hands on that. Keller writes and says, Jesus Christ taught His disciples to pray, healed people with prayers, denounced the corruption of the temple worship, which he said should be a house of prayer, and insisted that some demons could only be cast out through prayer. He prayed often and regularly with fervent cries and tears, Hebrews 5, 7. And sometimes he prayed all night, Luke 6. The Holy Spirit came upon him and anointed him as he was praying. And he was transfigured with the divine glory as he prayed. When he faced his greatest crisis, he did so with prayer. We hear him praying for his disciples and the church on the night before he died. And then petitioning God in agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. Finally, and listen to this, brothers and sisters, finally, the very last act of His physical life here on earth before the cross. Jesus dies praying as, he, as His final words are, you know, into your hands I'm committing my spirit. So from the beginning of Jesus' ministry when He was fasting in the wilderness until His very last words, Jesus is praying. That also should just speak to us so loudly about the priority of prayer and how important it really needs to be in every one of our lives. I want to move on just in the time we have here and talk about the idea of the power of prayer. The power of prayer. And again, I know I'm preaching to the choir when I talk about this, but can I just take some time today and remind you about there, the fact that there is a massive power source available to the church today, in all honesty, most of which is not being tapped. It's not, it's not being tapped. James 5 says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman can accomplish much. Now, I want you to know that, that is, that's just not a verse there hidden away in James. This is a spiritual truth. James is kind of shouting here saying, You all, please understand this. When you're talking about your marriage, your children, your church, your preaching, your evangelism, the, the people that you're discipling, when you're living a righteous life and you go to God and genuinely pour out your heart to Him for whatever cause that is, please understand that God responds to that. Amen. God moves on that. God does something about it. Truly. And, 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 and coming off of these words of James, I just want you to know this is my 54th year of ministry and there are some really key, key facts that I've learned uh, many, most of the time the hard way. And here's one thing that I know about my ministry and my preaching and seven men on discipling right now in our church in Florence, Kentucky. If there is no prayer, there will be no power. That's what it comes down to. If the church is not praying, if we're not praying, if prayer isn't becoming part of our day-in, day-out life, there will be no power in our ministries. I love the old phrase someone wrote years and years ago. And they wrote and said, when I work, I work. When I pray, God works. Just keeping that in the back of our minds. Just talking about, on our outline, the whole issue of the unction and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Some of you who are my age, I don't know if there's anybody in here actually older than me. I don't see anybody. But, but, but back in our day, the word unction was the word that I really want to focus on now. In our day and time, it's really frequently referred to as the anointing. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. But it's simply this. It's the special power, 
that God grants us through the Holy Spirit that comes and accomplishes things in our ministry we simply cannot attribute to hard work and good planning. That's right. I want you to think about this deeply today. Brothers and sisters, I just want you to know, if I depend on my personality and my charisma and my stage presence and my ability to organize, those are all wonderful things that are very possible, positive. But I will tell you that there is very little power in any of those things. Very clearly we know that Scripture says, not by might, nor by power, says the Lord, but by my spirit. By my spirit. And brothers and sisters, prayer and fasting and obedience and humility, those four things are the keys to tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit. I know you're aware of the fact of the illustration of the sailing ship sailing ship, uh, they get ready to take a sailing ship on a cargo crew, uh, run where they're going to load the hold, uh, uh, sail it to a, a, a port and, and then uh, un unload its goods and so forth. Uh, I, I know that you know we can load that ship, get all of the hands on deck, get all of the supplies we need and pull up the sails. But until the wind begins to blow, nothing happens. And it's interesting that the concept of wind is one of the descriptions of the Holy Spirit. You know? uh, let me just ask, is there anything at all that has happened in your church in the last 12 months that you cannot attribute to effective planning and good strategy? <laughs> anything at all. And let me just tell you that I, I am as guilty as anybody else. I just know for a fact, I know that when we are praying and when we are fasting, I think the Lord sits up on His throne and He says, you know what, I, I see that. I recognize that and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to answer the specific prayers that are being made to me at this point about that. And I think sometimes it fits into the category where James says, you know, one of the reasons we don't have is because we don't ask. So I would make my prayers as specific as possible about what I wanted the Lord to do in, in my life and in my ministry. And the idea of the car and the engine, this is from Ray Steadman. Some of you may remember him from yesteryear, great minister out on the West Coast. I heard Ray one time talk about the fact that um, the image is this, that he is out pushing his car down the street and pushing it from the back. And one of his neighbors stops and says, Ray, what, are you out of gas? And Ray says, no, no, I, I have a full tank, as a matter of fact. And I said, well, so the car's broken down then. No, there's nothing wrong with the car at all. And uh, the neighbor says, well, can I just ask then why you're pushing the car? And Ray said, hey, th th this, this is my style. This is, this is what I do. I get great exercise, great cardio from this. I have to admit the hills are a little tougher, but, um, you know, this... So if that actually, if that illustration actually happened to us, we talk to our neighbor, we roll up our window, uh, and uh, drive along and kind of go, okay, <laughs> whatever, you know. Brothers and sisters, do you see today that that is exactly what so many of us are tempted to do in our ministries? Really, we have an amazing, powerful engine right under the hood of every one of our congregations. And all we have to do is turn on the key and tap into that power, which is the amazing, unbelieving, overwhelming power of the Holy Spirit in the life of our church to do all kinds of things so far beyond what we can do in the flesh. And the Holy Spirit, I think, walks through communities, uh, goes through communities over and over again, looking for a church in some town somewhere 
who will understand that when we combine prayer and when we are fasting as a congregation and we're working on obedience in our lives and we have a spirit of humility before the Lord, that the Holy Spirit says, you have no idea what I can do in your church. And I am, I am ready if you and your church are ready. Brothers and sisters, there's a massive power that's there available to us. And Satan's just lulled us away from these disciplines that we know will tap into the power of God in our lives. Let me just go ahead and talk about prayer in the church, our congregations, uh, before I turn it over to, to Brother Mike here. Uh, as leaders, not only do we need to work on prayer in our own lives, but brothers and sisters, I'm concerned and, and absolutely uh, assured that we need to be cultivating the prayer life of our church as well. Here are just a couple of ideas I'd like to throw out that I hope will be helpful. I think that we need to model prayer ourselves so that our congregations know when they hang out with us, when they spend time with us, how much we really believe in prayer, how much we believe that it'll make a difference. I think we need to teach our people also. We need to teach our people to pray and help them with their prayer lives. Let me just throw some spaghetti up against the wall here and see what sticks. I'd love to see us have every single year a minimum of a five-week sermon series on, on the power of prayer and fasting. You know, I, I know sometimes we think, well, prayer is such a part of the church. I, I don't normally preach on it. And that's where I think we need to turn the tables here. But let's do a series, a hard series. I'd love to ask you to do this. Would you please buy a copy of this book for every family unit in your church? Uh, the Harpeth Church, where Mike is an elder. Uh, bought over 400 copies of this and gave it to every family unit in their church. And then Bobby preached on this, I think, for six Sundays. Preached on the power. And then the entire church shared together in an in a, in a, uh, experience of actually praying and fasting on a regular basis. I will tell you that there is no way the Holy Spirit will not see that and understand that we're serious on our end. Truly. Uh, so important. So preaching on it, teaching on it. How about uh, classes at the church on it? Uh, a prayer retreat? Uh, a retreat just on prayer and fasting and the Word of God. Uh, and you might say, well, I don't know how many of our people would come to that. You know, if you had 10 people come to that, it'd be a smashing success. Here's the deal. We have to start somewhere. We have, and if I, if I have 10, give me 10, and let's do it, and, and, and let's start moving in that direction. Making this some kind of a, um, um, a, a, a theme for small group ministry, for the women's ministry in your church, the men's ministry, the idea of prayer and fasting. I think we should infuse our worship services also with prayer. should infuse our worship services with prayer. I'm going to just confess my sins here. I was paying attention. I was paying attention. I was in a church last Sunday for a morning worship service. And because of this session, I timed the amount of prayer in an hour and 15 minute uh, uh, session. An hour and 15 minutes, one minute and 53 seconds of prayer. Yeah. Well, let me ask you to do this. Sunday, don't tell anybody, or they'll kick you out of the church. You're not praying, you're just timing the prayers. Um, time the amount of uh, actual minutes, seconds, that you spend in prayer uh, in, in the congregation, in the life of the congregation. And please, I'm really not trying to be critical as much as I'm just saying, you know, I think we really, truly need to think about this. I went to Mexico to do a men's retreat, 300 men at this retreat. And on Friday evening, the leader got up and said, now, so-and-so is going to come and lead us in our evening prayer. 
which for me is about two minutes, you know, is what I'm thinking. So this brother comes up, he prays for 35 minutes. And it was fantastic. It was absolutely so dynamic. You know, I think that maybe if we looked at our, 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 our collective services and just wondered how we could infuse those services with the Word of God and with prayer, uh, it would bless our church and take our church to a new place. So uh, the idea of us working in prayer in our, in our own lives, the idea of us helping our churches to grow in prayer, brothers and sisters, this is really where it begins. Just one final thing. If you begin to do this, please expect the fact that you will experience a rise in the spiritual warfare in your church. Because Satan knows that in many of our churches, uh, they're prayer dead. We talk about prayer, we just don't do it. And when the leaders of a church stand up and say, we're, we're going to be a church of prayer from now on, I want, I want to say Satan never gives up one inch of territory without a fight. So just prepare yourselves, put your armor on, and wait into the battle. And uh, God bless every one of you today. And I'll turn it over to my brother. Thank you, David. He always has so many golden nuggets, so I appreciate you. Um, love you, brother. So I'm going to try to link together the concept of prayer and fasting. And um, I know this subject can be a subject that may be difficult, may be even intimidating. Um, I don't know how many people have experience in fasting. Maybe you come in today and uh, you don't have any experience in fasting and linking the two together. And I'm hoping that you walk away today with a, a new sense of uh, purpose in regards to the two being intimately linked, uh, in symbiosis, really. The two go together beautifully. David was talking a lot about the power of prayer. And uh, it made me think of this quote in our book. It's actually by Don Whitney. And you gave the, uh, the metaphor of the sailing ship. So I thought this was really good to start with. And, it's, and he says this. It says, like all the spiritual disciplines, fasting hoists the sails of the soul in hopes of experiencing the gracious wind of God's spirit. But fasting also adds unique dimension to your spiritual life and helps you grow in Christ's likeness in ways that are unavailable through any other means. If this were not so, there would have been no need for Jesus to model and teach fasting. And I thought that was a, a powerful uh, quote there. So for me, this is a, a very fascinating subject. I come from a medical background. I've been a physician assistant for 28 years. I've worked in orthopedic surgery. So I have a strong interest in the medical aspect of things. Uh, David actually was my discipleship uh, uh, professor at TCM, and we were tasked at TCM with uh, presenting one of the spiritual disciplines. I'm just going to be transparent with you here today, if that's okay. Uh, one of the spiritual disciplines which uh, uh, you, well, that you wanted to talk about, but I chose one that I knew least, the least about, and that happened to be fasting. And so my initial thought was fasting. What is fasting all about? I don't see where the church today is really practicing this, and why not? So I set out on a research project, and I reached, researched this. And everything I read in Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, uh, my wife is sitting in the front row. She can tell you I usually go into things at, at about 200%. And so I really researched this, and I found that the Bible had actually quite a bit to say about fasting. Uh, and the two were intimately linked together. So 
you know, I'd like you to read the book, but I'd also like you to be like one of the Bereans in Acts 17 and read the scriptures for yourself so you know what we're saying links up. So it, it starts with us. It starts with leaders. And it's an important thing that it starts with us because we're never going to be able to disciple other people in our congregations unless it starts here. So first thing is to start with the why behind fasting. It's important to go into this with the right heart. Uh, you know, the Pharisees fasted twice a week, and Jesus called them out on it. And he said, you give a, a tenth of everything, uh, to, you tie the tenth of what you have, and you fast twice a week, but your hearts are really far from me. Uh, so when we go into this uh, fasting and prayer, we have to do it with the right heart. And it takes a heart of humility. And I think that's a key when we're thinking about this. Uh, you have to have the right motivation going into it. I would point out that when Jesus talked about prayer and fasting, and he actually talks about fasting right on the heels of the Lord's Prayer. He teaches in Matthew 6. He's teaching about prayer and then he's teaching about fasting. And he says, uh, it's, it's, he says, when you fast. So it's not an if question, but a when. And when we read through scripture, they're intimately linked. First century uh, Jews, they just knew this practice. Uh, Old Testament, they knew this practice. And it was something that they just did together. And it goes back to that sense of humility, humbling ourselves before the, the Lord. Uh, one of the metaphors that uh, I led off in the book with is, do, do, are there any runners in here? Does anybody like to run? Uh, so I used to run a bunch of uh, marathons. And one of the things I used to do, you heard of carbo-loading. So I used to carbo-load four races, and then there was something called super-carbo-loading. And so super-carbo-loading was this technique where you intentionally uh, stop eating carbs uh, several days before the race, and then you go and you exercise and you swim and you bike and you, you deplete all of your muscle glycogen in your body. So you go through this very intentional depletion stage, and then you super carbo load. So on race day, you can make it to that 26 mile, uh, 26.2 mile finish line in record time. And it works well, but it's very difficult, it's very hard. I would tell you that fasting is much like that. It's an intentional depletion to be filled with the things of God. Something happens to us when we fast. Uh, our radars, our antennas go up. Life slows down, and all of a sudden, if we do it with the right heart and motivation, we're in tune to the things of God. Uh, Jesus modeled this for us. He did it in the desert for 40 days. Uh, John, the famous verse in John 4, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Uh, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. So one way to think about fasting, and, and this is where I was erroneous in my early days of fasting, of practicing this, I used to think that this is something I'm doing for God. Look at me, it's a, a works mindset of something I'm doing for God. And my wife actually taught me, and she's a big time faster, I'm gonna give her credit, and she, uh, in her time of prayer, she said, you know, this is actually a gift from God to us. This is a gift, and so that's, a, I think, the correct way to think about this. This is a gift that he gives us where we can open ourselves and our hearts up to Him and His presence, rather than something that we're giving to Him. Does that make sense? Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So, um, 
I want to just go over, uh, just to give you a brief, uh, you know, I'm, I know you guys are theologians, I know you know your scriptures and your Bible, but you may be asking, well, what were some of the reasons people fasted in the Bible? Uh, I can give you 17 reasons right off the bat. This is another guide uh, that I wrote. This is actually on the Renew website. It was a group discussion guide that goes along with our book. I wrote it for our church this year, and we did a 21-day fast, and we went through a series of six uh, sermons uh, to prepare people, and we really decided to have a purpose and a focus to invite the Holy Spirit uh, to guide our church. And so um, in this guide, there's some appendices, and in this I have the 17 reasons for, for those who want to go deeper. But David alluded to this. One is uh, we pray against spiritual warfare. Uh, scripture tells us that the weapons that we fight with are to, to demolish strongholds, so spiritual warfare. Also, to avert God's wrath. We see that uh, uh, a great story is in, uh, the, in Nineveh, in the king of Nineveh with Jonah. And what do people do? They wear sackcloth and they fast and they pray. And God comes through and he has mercy on them. Being obedient. We see Peter praying on the rooftop calling on God's power, driving out demons in Mark 9. Uh, corporate fellowship, calling on God's power, where uh, apostles appoint, uh, uh, send out missionaries in the book of Acts, in Acts 13, or they're appointing elders in each town. During times of emotional distress, we see Hannah's prayer. Uh, we see Jonathan grieving over David humbling oneself before God. I think that's just an implied given with this. Hebrews 13.7 says that we're to imitate the faith of those who have gone before us. We see national days dedicated to God. Uh, we see uh, times in Scripture where we need help from God in 2 Samuel. What about God's blessings? It's not a prosperity gospel, but, it's, but we see God blessing people uh, we see it with Daniel. Daniel devotes himself to the Lord, and he is blessed with visions. What about Anna? Anna in the temple, who uh, gets, she fasts and prays every day, and she gets to see the Messiah, the baby Messiah, his hand is to her. Other reasons, God's protection. Ezra, when he's coming back from exile, uh, from Babylon, and bringing the exiles, he prays for God's protection against thieves and robbers. Seeking the Lord's will, setting apart leaders in the church, and times of worship. These are all biblical reasons why we would fast. And so if you read the book, I think you'll see some of those. So again, it's important to start with a reason. We have to have a burden on our heart why we're going to fast and why we're going to pray. Again, we're going we're to be linked together. You can't just fast for the sake of fasting. Um, it's like having faith for the sake of faith. Have faith in faith. It doesn't really makes sense. We have to have a burden. And so that may be, well, you know, my kid's going off to college. I just don't know what to do. I need to pray for them. That's a burden. There's somebody in my home group that's sick, and I want to pray for them. Uh, I'm not getting along with my wife really well. I need to know what to do and how to lead her uh, like a godly husband. Start with a burden on your heart. So that would be one of the first things. Another crucial thing is to start with a prayer of repentance. I think there's no other way to go into this other than starting with the prayer of repentance. God, show me, show me anything within my heart that displeases you. Point out anything in me that needs to change. 
so starting with that repentant heart, again, inviting God into the equation and inviting the Holy Spirit in. So then what? I'm going to give you some practicalities because I know a lot of people, when they ask me about fasting, they want to know the nuts and bolts. They want to know the practical things. Well, this is very intimidating. How do I even begin? So, number one is you have to decide on the duration of the fast. Well, how long am I going to fast? I would tell you, uh, out of uh, just practical uh, experience, start slow. You can't run a marathon and go out and run 18 miles the first time. It's just not going to work well, and you're going to quit before you even finish the marathon. So start off slow, maybe start with one meal and see how that goes. And you've had success, nothing happens, then go on to two meals. Then maybe go to a 24-hour fast. Uh, and then once you've had success with that, maybe go to a three-day uh, or a biblical fast, a three-day fast, uh, a one-week fast, a 21-day fast. And if you're really adventurous, you could even do 40 days. So. Uh, one of the other things is uh, fasting frequency. So one thing that we did with our church this year is we decided we really need to focus on prayer and fasting. And so what we do, the elders decide something that uh, a prayer-directed uh, approach each week. Uh, we actually will pray through that. Um, and then we'll send it out to the congregation and, and we say, okay, on Tuesdays we're going to fast and pray over this. This week we're praying for discipleship.org and renew.org, that God would move in, in these and, and disciples would be made uh, that would make disciples. And so that was, that was our focus this week. But we have had many, many, many things. So there's duration and then there's type. What type of fast? I want to caution you. The body needs water to survive. So anything over three days, the body's going to not survive well without water. So there are some examples uh, in the New Testament or in the Old Testament. Uh, Esther, for example, each, uh, they called a fast food and water. There are some examples of that. But I would say um, make sure that you're having water. Biblically, fasting is going to be from food. Now, there are other things we can fast from. We can fast from electronics. We can fast from social media. Uh, we can fast from all sorts of things, which are good. Uh, but sometimes we need to do that to focus on God. But biblically, if we're looking at the Bible, it's always going to be food. And then you may ask, well, what type of food are we talking about? Is it all food and just water? Sure. Could it be a modified fast, like a Daniel fast? Could be that. Remember Daniel said, uh, you know, it's, um, uh, and stay away from uh, wine and choice meats and even lotions. So there can be a modified Daniel type of fast. I would use uh, caution with caffeine. I've tried to fast before and go cold turkey. Did not work out well. I drink about six cups of coffee a day. And when you go cold turkey without coffee, it's, it's not pretty. So, uh, so I actually incorporate caffeine or coffee, black coffee, into my fast, and I just don't do additives to it. And so, uh, or if you're a tea drinker. So then you kind of decide, well, is it going to be an individual fast or a group fast? And either one's fine. It's just your heart before God. Now, I will tell you that there's power in group fasting. If you're leading your church through a fast and you have a, a, a purpose in mind that you're all together in, that is great. 
But when I go to work, Jesus taught us, hey, wash your face, uh, put oil on your head, uh, don't make a big deal out of it. So when I go to work, I just do my thing at work. I don't make a big deal about my fast. But if I'm communicating with my brothers and sisters in my home group or my transformational group, uh, we are, uh, we're doing it together with a combined uh, purpose and we're encouraging one another. Medically, I want to give you some tidbits here. There are many, many myths about fasting. Most people just stop before they even think about it because they say, well, I can't really do it because of my blood sugar or I'm going to burn off too much protein. And so I'm happy to talk to you even after this about some of those myths. But let me just tell you this. This is really fascinating to me. The average person who weighs 70 kilograms, it should be kilograms, not grams, but 70 kilograms, or it's roughly 154 pounds, can last about how long before they run out of fuel in their body? 40 days. Wow, that kind of blows my mind when you think about that. So um, the body becomes very efficient at burning fatty acids as we fast. So. Uh, there are some studies that say that you know 85 to 90% is all fat and only about 4% is protein that's burned after a certain period of time. And so the body becomes very efficient at doing this. Uh, it, fasting will lower your blood pressure, it will lower blood glucose, it increases insulin sensitivity. There are some electrolytes that you may need to supplement, supplement with, a mod, uh, with a multivitamin for prolonged fasts. But medically, I would tell you that it's safe. I've done the research. I've looked at a lot of medical facts there. One of the most important things I want to tell you is about when you're fasting, and we have a lot of church leaders here, we want to think about discipling others in fasting. So I can fast, and that's great. But if we're being disciples who make disciples who make disciples, my mindset should be like the mindset of Jesus. How am I going to disciple somebody so how would that what would that look like practically maybe there's a guy in my transformational group that is well i have a guy right now that's going through chemotherapy for cancer well it's a big he's got a big decision coming up so hey i should be calling him and saying i know this is a burden on your heart why don't we why don't we fast and pray over this i'll fast with you um there's another guy that's going through some job decisions he has to decide between two jobs he just can't he doesn't know how to proceed hey, why don't we fast and pray over this? And I'll do it with you. And I'm going to meet them where they're at. And so if they're in intimidated by it, maybe it's just one meal. And then we go from there. Uh, some other things I would tell you is don't, don't be discouraged if God doesn't answer all the prayers. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes God works in mysterious ways that we can't see. And so it's, it's really something that's actually also transforming our hearts. And so there's going to be uh, times where something may not happen, but again, uh, your relationship with the Lord is going to grow in that. And so I would encourage you to start slow, get into it, let it become the DNA of your spiritual walk. Uh, it shouldn't just be a beginning of the year, after New Year's, a one and done sort of thing. It should, uh, prayer and fasting should go together and become part of our, our uh, walk. So I'm just going to leave you with some golden nuggets. There's so much I want to say in so little time. So um, be prepared to slow down. When, for some reason, when I fast, it's like the world just slows.
slows down. And it's a good thing for me because sometimes my mind goes a thousand miles an hour and sometimes I really need to slow down. Listen carefully to the voice of God. God's going to reveal himself in wild ways. Uh, remember, it's a gift for us, not a gift that we're giving God. It's not a transactional thing. It's for our sanctification. It's a way to love, to love God and to love others. And I always like to think of Jesus as living water, the, the well that never runs out. Whenever I take a sip of water during the day when I'm fasting, as hungry as I am, I remember I'm connecting with Jesus in those moments. In spiritual battles, they're going to happen. So those are some of the nuggets I have for you, and uh, I would love, we would love to entertain any questions if we have time. Thank you. Uh, questions or answers, questions that anyone might have on any of these? Yes, sir. Hey, I, I love how practical this is. Um, I guess I have a question, though, uh, for you, David. What are some specific types of prayer that, um, and when I mean specific, I know that there's different, there's different ways to pray. Um, what are some specific type of prayer that you would personally know or suggest um, churches begin to practice community also as a practice? Yeah, that's a great question, brother. Uh, there is a book that's a little older that's still out there able to be uh, be secured. If you'll go, especially to A-B-E, like Abe, Abe Lincoln, A-B-E.com. Uh, it's A-B-E-Books.com. Uh, they uh, specialize in finding books that are out of print. And, uh, and I, they've never been able to not find a book that I needed. So, uh, But it's a book on concerts of prayer. Concerts of prayer. And the entire book is just various and differing ways that we can pray personally and that we can pray in groups. Now, I went to a session, brother, uh, a number of years ago. And uh, it was a concert of prayer. There were about 200 people uh, all met together from various churches. And the gentleman led us through two and a half hours of prayer. You know, when, he, when he announced that, I thought, oh, it's going to be a long afternoon here. You know? and, and it just flew by. Uh, it divided us into groups of four, and then sometimes put the two groups of four together. Uh, groups of two prayed on different topics, different things, prayed through the Lord's Prayer. And, uh, you know, at the end of that time, I felt like I had had a good night's sleep and a good meal. <laughs> that, that, that was my emotional, spiritual response to going through that. So... Uh, and then there's another good book on um, uh, teaching your church to pray. And I'm sorry I don't have the, uh, the author on that right off the top of my head. But the entire book is how do you build a really quality prayer life into the life of your congregation. And uh, it's just got so many wonderful ideas and, and helpful things. Yes, sir. It seems like historically great moves of God are preceded by prayer and great awakening. We live in such a hyper-individualized society. I'm struggling with how to see connected, community-wide things of prayer. Well, what advice would you give to see that again? Now, I know that uh, I wasn't there, but there's a brother who lives here in Tennessee named David Clayton. And uh, uh, I know that David organized, uh, was it 30,000 or like 30,000, 35,000 people? Yeah. And, mm -hmm. um, Greater Nashville area. Yeah, okay. Greater Nashville area. This brother, preacher in a church, uh, just just invited all of the congregations, and they had 35,000 people together. I think it was on a Sunday night for an extended time of worship and prayer. Um, I think I think though also even just getting our small groups to pray more in their group meetings. Um, staff having our staff, church staff, do more than just a cursory open prayer. 
Now, I meet with groups and groups all year long of elders doing elder work and, and training elders and so forth. And I don't want to be hard on these brothers because they're good men. But a lot of times we'll get in a meeting and the chairman of the elders will say, okay, you all, let's go ahead and have a quick word of prayer and then get to the real business tonight. Yeah. And he, he's a good man. He's a good guy. No, no criticism of him. One, one thing we started uh, a couple years ago, maybe longer, is we decided as a group of elders, we're not gonna, we're gonna dedicate one full hour a week just to pray, nothing else. And we're just gonna pray over burdens of the church or on our hearts or personal, whatever. So we just, all seven of us get together and we, we just pray. And it starts with us and then we try to, you know, communicate that with others and we do a church-wide uh, prayer call every Tuesday night and we invite people to, to come and pray. So we've been doing that through Zoom because of COVID. Yeah, good. Yeah, all, all good ideas. I try to help the groups of elders to understand that. No kidding. I really mean this from my heart. Um, I think that prayer is the real work of an eldership. You know? And if we have two hours for an elders meeting, uh, that's fine. You know, could we take the first 45 minutes of that and just together read scripture to one another? You know, and, and think about scripture, pray together various ways. And uh, I just think I think it would transform our eldership and uh, really lead the church the way elders are supposed to lead. You know? Yes. Good question on the fasting side. Um, fasting has been part of my personal life um, about the last ten or fifteen years. Um, and leading uh, churches and pastors of churches that were training in the mission field, um, I found it hard to implement that into community. Um, what are some, some advice, uh, some tips, or something that you could share with us about that? Yeah, um, one thing is we, uh, of course, wanted to model it, and uh, you have to communicate that. And so, um, like this last year, for example, we uh, went through a series of sermons, five or six sermons, that uh, just talked about the biblical reasons for fasting and why we do it and how it's linked with prayer. And then we went through a, um, a guide, a study guide discussion book, and each week had different questions. And so uh, we did those in um, home groups, small group settings, where we discussed them and talked about what God was doing. And then afterwards, we actually had a big celebration in terms of uh, how did God show up in this. And we exchanged and shared many, many stories of how God showed up in that time period. It's very powerful in some unexpected ways. Do you schedule times throughout the year or at the beginning of the year or you just encourage people to do it um, on an individual basis? Yeah, well right now we're doing a weekly um, prayer focused prayer and fasting day we do on Tuesdays and um, sometimes we'll have to call audibles. It's actually kind of evolving for us. We're, we're praying and fasting more about how does God want to continue to lead us in the journey and how can we inspire more people? Uh, because it's it's not easy, actually, to get everybody on board with this. It's starting to change the DNA of our church, and, and you know, we've struggled with that a little bit. So, um, but uh, as in terms of my responsibility as an elder, it, it starts with me, and I have to practice it myself. One more question. Uh, I was here two years ago, Shadonke Johnson came, and I was really disappointed he couldn't make it this time. But he really exemplified 
in his work and what he talked here yeah. about prayer and fasting and reaching Sierra Leone and most of West Africa. Hey, great for get some more of his material. Yeah, yeah, he's got a lot of wisdom. Yeah, that's actually what kind of pushed us into, into fasting. Yeah, so she was saying that the kingdom unleashed, um, I think, uh, Truesdale? Yeah. And so, yeah, and that's, uh, that's a good book about that. But yeah, uh, Shidangi Johnson, uh, yeah, we, we've taken a lot of his wisdom and tried to incorporate it into the global north of what they're doing down there because they've seen some crazy, miraculous stuff through the power of prayer and fasting. Yeah. Well, I'd like to just have a, a prayer over our group here today. If you'd like to have a copy of this book, Change Your Life. Really? We have a couple up here, so please come up and we'll be glad to help you out. Let's pray together. Holy Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be here together today. Father, we love you, and we simply want to follow your will and grow in you and do the very best we can on your behalf. Would you bless every man who's in this room right now, every woman, with your Holy Spirit, with strength, with encouragement, with blessing, and Father, your anointing will rest upon each one. Now, thanks for the rest of this day. I hope you enjoyed listening to David and Mike talk about prayer and fasting. Before we sign off, we'd love to point you to a couple of tools on Renew.org. If you're on a desktop or laptop at the top of your screen at Renew.org or on the bottom of your screen on a mobile device, you'll find some quick links there. One is called Books. Under the book link, you'll find another link to Prayer and Fasting, the book on that spiritual discipline that David and Mike referenced in this session. Also, there's another tab, eBooks. If you go to eBooks, there's a lot of free resources there, one of which is a workbook on prayer and fasting written by Mike and Michelle, his wife. And that is a group discussion guide and workbook that will allow you to go a little bit deeper into the study of prayer and fasting. We hope that those tools will equip you and we hope that you'll get a rewarding experience, uh, maybe for the first time, as you acknowledge the power of the Holy Spirit through prayer and fasting. For Renew.org, this has been Jason. Thanks for listening to another Renew.org network podcast.